Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern day Asian American woman. My name is Mel. I'm Janet. I'm Helen. And I'm Sarah. Hello, ABGs and ABBs. Something about the new year inspires us to refresh our spaces and clean things out. It's a time to reassess our environment, clear out what we don't need, and create space for what's coming. And when it comes to spaces and layouts, we've probably all also heard of the term feng shui. And while adjusting our personal spaces, a question that came up for us was how to optimize our spaces for the flow of energy, which got us thinking about feng shui and how little we actually know about it. So with the new year upon us and also Lunar New Year, when we're all anticipating to clean out our spaces and revive the energy around us, we've brought on the star of Mind Your Manners, a new series on Netflix. She is the it girl for etiquette tips on leading a positive life, but she also has an extensive background in the art of feng shui, which we thought would be appropriate for the new year. Please welcome Sarah Jane Ho to the podcast. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much again for joining us for this episode. We are so excited to dive into feng shui. Uh, I know on your show you talk about so many different amazing topics, but for today's episode, we really want to focus on starting a new year in the best way possible and making our home just the best place we can be. You know, new year, new me, that mentality. So let's start the basics before we get into all that stuff. Can you give us a brief overview of feng shui and how you got involved in it? Yeah, well, Melody, I'm so glad that someone is finally interviewing me on feng shui because a lot of people have interviewed me on a bunch of other stuff about Mind Your Manners, but feng shui is something that I grew up with and I'm so passionate about and I'm really glad I got to squeeze a bit of it into Mind Your Manners. So when we think about feng shui, it's really the ancient Chinese art of arranging buildings, objects, and space in an environment, could be any environment, to achieve harmony and balance. Feng means wind, Shui means water, right? So its roots are in early Taoism, uh, which is a Chinese spiritual thought, uh, but it's spread all over the world, even to Western cultures. And for as long as I remember, I grew up with feng shui masters running around the house. I come from Hong Kong, and Hong Kong Chinese really believe in feng shui because we're Southern Chinese, so it's a big Southern Chinese thing. Um, My parents would consult feng shui masters for career, for family matters, for health. They'd consult them both on an annual basis, Uh, So in the Chinese New Year, like now, when we enter the new lunar calendar, and also ad hoc whenever something came up, usually when bad things come up. Mm. And so usually people consult feng shui masters when something's going wrong. Could be that, you know, relationship issues, you're going through breakup or a divorce. 
maybe career challenges, uh, you're trying to get that deal, it's not going very well, could be serious health diagnoses, right? Like you just got a major illness, someone in your family. And then what you do is you invite a master into your home and they discover things like, oh, your bedroom curtains are blue, that's pouring water all over your love life. Mm-hmm. Right? You need to change the color or it's like, oh, this corner of your house in your northeast corner, do uh, you know, if uh, relative to your bazi, you shouldn't be putting something red. Instead, you should be putting, you know, an aquarium, you know, so things like that. That's kind of what you can expect if you bring a feng shui master into your house. Um, I can share it, one of my earliest stories uh, of how feng shui affected one of the most important decisions in my life, which is where I would go to high school. I was 14 years old. Uh, I just, I was living in Hong Kong and I had applied to U.S. boarding school. So I just gotten accepted to a number of prep schools in the U.S., in New England. And my parents who studied in the U.K. had knew nothing about U.S. boarding schools. And I didn't know that much either, but I was just lucky enough to get into a few like Hotchkiss, Milton, Phillips, Exeter, blah, blah, blah. So my parents were at an impasse. They're like, we don't know where to send Sarah. Um, so my dad summoned a feng shui master in Hong Kong who was called Rambo uh, and, and said, you know, Rambo, which boarding school should Sarah go to? Rambo looked at him really blankly and, and my dad immediately was like, okay, this school was founded in this year and its student-teacher ratio is this, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And I was totally having an out-of-body moment. I was like, there is no way that our family feng shui master can give any informed advice on East Coast boarding schools. And then Rambo interrupted my dad. He's like, Mr. Ho, Mr. Ho, Mr. Ho, just draw a map and dot the schools along the map. So immediately my dad begins drawing the northeast coast of America. He's dotting them around. And, my, and Rambo just looks at it. He goes, this is very simple. The further north your daughter will go, the harder she will work. And I look at the drawing and the northernmost dot is Phillips Exeter Academy in New Hampshire, right? It's like the northernmost, which is also known as kind of like, you know, one of the most intense and competitive boarding schools. And then, so Rambo pointed at that dot and said, only if she goes to this school will she get into Harvard. So obviously my Chinese tiger mother is like, you're going to Phillips Exeter. (laughs) (laughs) And the funniest thing that actually is that I applied to Harvard undergrad and I was rejected. So then my mother was like, Rambo was not accurate. (laughs) But then for my business school, I applied to Harvard and I got in and I went to Harvard Business School. So that's one of my earliest, like really distinct memories of growing up with feng shui. Wait, that's kind of crazy because maybe this is like a side tangent about this, but like um, I kind of have a similar story with coming to schools because I actually, I was in Taiwan and I got... This is not, he wasn't a feng shui master. Maybe he was, but I, I was like a fortune teller where they do your birth chart. And I remember this is before I got into college and he was reading my sign. He was like, you're a water sign. And he's like, and that was when I didn't even tell this person. I was like, I'm going to San Diego for college. And he was like, you're going to go to school close to water because that's, mm-hmm. that's going to be most balanced for you as a person. And I was like, whoa, because I, I think it's the first time hearing elements being mm-hmm. used as a compatibility for a person um for so for your story I was like oh it sounds kind of like it reminded me of my uh, my college uh, or school kind of like direction totally and and you know I think and examples like this like mine and like yours shows the reach of feng shui I mean mm. most westerners just think of it as applied to the home mm-hmm. but actually mm-hmm. it can be applied to all facets of your life Ah, that is fascinating. Yes, I I had only really had thought about it in the realm of the home, but I love the background that you gave because it gives context to 
um, how it come or where it stands in in our culture and how it is really something that is embracing of everything in a way of thinking. Um, but to give our listeners who may not be as, fami- as familiar with feng shui and maybe are hearing about it for the first time, Sarah, can you share um, some maybe like high level best practices? So after this, we want to ask you specific questions about specific rooms in the home, but just as a, at a high level, what are some best practices for feng shui? Yeah, well, um, before I go into best practices, I think there are three things that, that you really have to know um, about feng shui. So, okay, when you do a feng shui reading, whether it's for your life, for your home, or your office, the first thing you have to do is you have to provide the master with what is called your ba zi, which is your birth chart, right? That's what Melody had just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And so ba, it, it means eight, zi means characters. And it is the year, month, date, and time of your birth. So you usually we give this in Western calendar format, uh, and then your master will adopt it to the lunar calendar format. Um, and, you know, I mean, your bazi is your life. A skilled mm-hmm. master, if he is presented or she is presented with your date of birth, can actually tell your date of death. But wow. they would never tell you that because doing so would break the secrets of the heavens. It would affect mm-hmm. their own life. Tamen自己的命. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is so the ba is 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 I mean you can't get a feng shui reading without giving your ba hmm. So, firstly, um, at the core of feng shui, d- decorating. Okay, so decorating in the home, it's a it's a balance of five elements, right? Jing mu shui huo tu. So wind, water, fire, wood, metal, and each one symbolizes certain qualities such as stability, wisdom, growth, creativity. So to live your best life, which is really what I talk about in Mind Your Manners as well and why feng shui can help you live your best life, um, your home must balance all five elements in its decor. Mm. So when I enter a home and it's all wood and only wood, it actually is a little out of balance. When Mm. I enter a home and let's say it's like a Tribeca loft and it's like all metal and industrial and really bare, it also feels out of balance, right? Sometimes hotels... In my YouTube channel, I did a I did a feng shui critique of different hotels in Beijing. Like I, I showed an example of a good feng shui hotel and a bad feng shui hotel, and uh, and and I bring out a lot of these elements too. Like it, a hotel room or a home needs to be a place for a human being to be comfortable in. Okay, so mm-hmm. so the f- first is like the five elements. Okay, secondly, in addition to the five elements, you need to understand qi. So. Qi can be QI or CHI, depending on how you want to pronounce it. But Qi is it's an energetic force. It's a life force that powers all living organisms. And as a human being or as a you know living thing, the worst thing is to lack Qi. Because if you don't have enough Qi, it means lifelessness, weakness, mm-hmm. illness, death. Um, and so instead, you want to have a lot of Qi, right? You want to, more Qi is better than too little Qi. Obviously, ideal is a balance. Um, so therefore, if you're one, this if you're one person, you don't want to live in too big of a home hmm. because then it lacks chi. That's also why I don't like to live in lofts. I mean, a lot of my New York girlfriends love to live in Tribeca lofts, but to me, it's like this one big, vast, empty space where your chi is just dissipating. Hmm. I much prefer <laughs> an Upper East Side, like, you know, every room is its own little room. Your chi is contained. It feels cozy and protected. And each person, right? So, the, you know, the four of us, we have chi. Um, and that's also why people like to throw housewarmings for new homes, right? Or throwing parties at homes when you invite more people, more chi. It's actually good. It's bringing more chi to your home. Mm-hmm. And so the goal of feng shui in, for the home is actually to enhance and shift the flow of chi in a home or office space to make it as supportive and nourishing as possible, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, right? So that mm-hmm. that's kind of the goal that we're, of what we want to achieve 
for cheap. Now, lastly, thirdly, you need to know about yin and yang. Mm. Because qi contains two main primary forces, yin, which is the feminine, the soft, the dark, the moon, yang, which is the masculine, the aggressive, the bright, the sun. Um, And so in feng shui, yin energy is usually considered to be slow, cool, wet, dark. Um, It's related to curves, inactivity, softness. It could be a quiet, dark reading corner. Uh, Yang energy would be fast moving, loud, active, brightly lit. Um, For example, like a New York Stock Exchange trading floor, right? Mm. Full of men yelling and shouting. That's a lot of yang energy. So so those are a couple of concepts that you would need to know. Now, if I were to go into high-level best practices, well, I'll just give a couple examples. Um, kind of the, the for Chinese people, uh, generally speaking, the most auspicious house direction in feng shui is south-facing. So whenever I, I go and like look at houses, the first que- like actually I usually give my agent a criteria. I'll be like, only south or east facing. Hmm. Nothing blocking the view. Um, nothing obstructing the view. Uh, only si si fang fang, like say say fang fang. So like it has to be square. Don't mm-hmm. give me any like weird semicircles, right? Because like that's not conducive to like having the right chi. Um, mm-hmm. So why why is why is south facing usually good? Usually south facing and east facing are the best. Um, so that by this it means that your living room or the most important room in your house, right? It faces south or it faces east, and. This dates back to ancient China because the emperor would sit in the north and he would face south mm. when ruling the country, right? Because Beijing's like mm. up north. And so partly, you know, south-facing implies power and command. Um, but also in northern hemispheres where it's usually colder, we want more sun. And uh, and so therefore it, it's, it's good to face south, right? Sun and light is good. But west-facing is not that good because it's seen as too much sun. It's too hot. Right, so it's out of balance. Mm. Uh, so, and then you know the the ideal house is Nanbei Tongtou, which is called a Banfang. So that's a house which has both windows, like north and south, almost like let's say on both sides it cuts across. So you know my requirements for viewing a home: firstly, is direction. Secondly, you don't want anything blocking you. So you want to have an open view because the view is your future. Mm. If you mm. have like ten meters away, and you see this a lot in like Manhattan apartments, right? Right across the street, there's another building right in front of you. You're basically looking to other people's homes. Well, that's really not an ideal view because it's Mm. blocking, it's blocking you and what you see for your future, right? Any goals. Um, My other thing is I like, I like square rooms, square apartments. This is also feng shui 101 for Chinese people Mm. because if there's like a weird, uh, semicircle, you know, half shape, if it's octagonal, if there's like a hexagon, then it's just not considered the most ideal um, space for chi to flow in, right? Mm. And then there are jagged corners mm. and then we call them knives that, and that, you know, you get into a whole lot of the set of stuff. So what do you do for people who have rooms that face the West or their main living room faces the West? <laughs> are there tactics to sort of block that and redirect where you know, where the, the, the flow is coming in from. I feel like Helen's living room is facing the West. <laughs> it is. And I, and I actually love the fact that I can see the sunset, but I agree that it gets really bright in there during mm-hmm. certain times of the day. Yeah. It, it gets too hot and it becomes scorching, which mm-hmm. is then unpleasant. Right. So, um, I mean, what you do is you keep a shade, right? If you have like a, mm-hmm. any kind of shade, uh, like the sheer curtain, keep that pulled. 
And then, you know, maybe put more elements that are water elements to balance mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. all the heat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see. I'm also really bad with directions, but I feel like feng shui focuses on directional awareness. Like I would not know where the northeast corner of my room is, or if I'm actually, well, I know I'm facing west right now, but you know, if you were to ask me in any room what direction you're facing, I wouldn't know. Are you just naturally aware or did you have oh, to learn to all. be directionally aware? <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, no. Because for, for me, like the, the first criteria, any real estate agent, I'm like south or east. So and then also in China, every time there's a floor plan, there's a there's an arrow showing north. So you always oh. know. And then every time I go into a building or into a home, I'll be like, hmm, what direction is this? And I pull out my phone and I'm looking mm. at my compass. Oh, man. I want you to come into my home and check out my, <laughs> my space. I'm like, OK, got the square rooms, but we're facing west. <laughs> Well, I would I would love to get a little more detailed here and talk about within our home, we have obviously various rooms and each room has its own specific functionality and vibe. Usually the bedroom is a little bit more warm and cozy and maybe the living room is more open and inviting. And I'm sure there are specific implementations of feng shui to increase that natural chi and flow and harmony within each of these rooms while keeping in mind the functionality of the space. So I would love to hear, mm-hmm. for example... My living room. How could any of our listeners out there with a living room make that specific space better for them? Yeah. Well, uh, in the living room, so usually we like to say that in common spaces, it's preferable not to have sharp corners. And that's why in my living room, my living room table, instead of having four sharp corners, have rounded corners. Mm. And that, that means harmony, less conflict in the home. Mm. Also, you don't want any dark or creepy or violent artwork. I remember when I was really young, my my uh, we, we had these like Chinese ink paintings inherited from my grandpa. So my grandpa gifted them to my parents, and uh, there was one which is a huge, it was like a two meter Chinese ink painting with two tigers, and one of them was roaring. It had an open mouth. Mm. And when Rambo, our feng shui master, came into our home, he looked at it and he and he said. He said that tiger's mouth and its teeth and everything are all coming out, are pointing at your daughter's room. It's going to cause her to be violent. Oh. And I definitely did have a kind of like aggressive, I mean, that was like a young teen, mm-hmm. you know, I was like maybe 12, 13. Um, and, uh, and, and, my, and immediately, because I came home one day and I saw a yellow post-it that covered the tiger's mouth. <laughs> and, then, and I was like, dad, like, what's this about? And my dad's like, it's too aggressive. It's causing aggressive energy into your room. So we have to cover it. And I was like, okay. And then, you know, a few weeks ago, they just swapped out the artwork. So, so you know, whatever. And also I have a segment in Mind Your Manners about this too, where I say, you know, if, if you bring dark, creepy artwork and you hang it in your home, then you're bringing that energy into your home, mm-hmm. which, you know, so I, I'm very particular. Like even when I hang artwork, I don't like people in it. Mm. Um, yeah, so you have to be very careful with animals and with people. Of course, like with animals, it all de- depends on your own birth chart and what animal you are. So, um, so for example, like so, my mom uh, was she was born year of monkey, and we had a pet cat. And me and my dad are both ox. So as ox, it's okay to have like pet cats, but as a monkey, because cats are like tigers and they attack monkeys. Mm. So my mom and the and the cat like never really had a good relationship. Uh, and, and, you know, and our pet cat, it was always like, you know, I mean, you could just tell, like, there are some things it's like, it's unspoken, but you can just kind of tell. And also I avoid artwork with a lot of people because it brings other people's energy 
into my home. Uh, once mm-hmm. I collected a big, it was a young Chinese artist and, um, and it was a big piece and it had like, it had little tiny photographs, probably like a thousand photographs of different people. And if you look closely, you could see they were all little people. And my feng shui master came into my house in Shanghai and he said, isn't it attracts little people, little people means bad people. Like Tharen, like a big person is someone who's a good in your life, brings you good energy. Little people are the detractors. They come, they like take stuff, they suck oh. your energy away from you. So you have to really pay attention to the artwork you have in your home. Does that also apply to portraits of family members or is it just artwork oh, of other people? No, portraits mm. of families. Yeah, it's, it's people outside, people who you don't know. And, and for me, you know, for example, I like to collect antique furniture. Mm-hmm. So I remember in Paris, I like, bought this beautiful antique mirror and I shipped it back to Shanghai and hung it in my apartment. And my uncles were teasing me. My uncle was like, have you cleansed it? He's like, be careful if you don't clean it, if you haven't cleansed it, when you look into it, you might see someone else's reflection, which obviously like scared the hell out of me. And I immediately like (laughs) called my function master. I was like, cleanse this for me. So because it's because it's a used piece. So it brings Mm -hmm. the previous Mm -hmm. owner's energies into your home as well. And if that Previous owner had great energy, good. But if it had negative energy, then that's not good. So you want to clean it. Wow, that's fascinating. Wow. I love hearing how even like, like I mean, I think it makes sense. You said you have to reference your birth chart um, in order to get a proper feng shui reading. But how even that, like it is unique to each individual person as well as the space. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I guess I have another question related to my living room because right now I have a lot of <laughs> um, dried up flowers. And these are flowers or bouquets that were given to me during, you know, moments that were special to me. For example, my first Mother's Day, I got a bouquet of flowers from my son, right? It's from my husband, obviously, but from my son. And I wanted to save that. So I have this dried bouquet of flowers in my living room. And I know it's an eyesore, but it means a lot to me. So what would, what should someone out there who has dried flowers in their space do with that? Because I, I think that's probably bad juju in the home as well. Yeah, well, in my episode with Ileana, and I go to her house, the first thing I saw was dried flowers in a corner. And I said, do you like dried flowers? And she goes, yeah, we love dried flowers. I'm like, well, it means death. And so, I mean, so there's a difference because then afterwards a bunch of followers messaged me being like, oh my gosh, what about preserved flowers? Um, Mm. And preserved flowers, Mm. if they look fresh, that's okay. I mean, generally speaking, you do not want to have fake flowers like you don't want to use like replica flowers because it's not as good as having a fresh, fresh flowers. Uh, but you know, if you really want to have some preserved flowers there and they still, they look okay. Um, then, then that's, then that's okay. A lot of it is visual really. Mm, mm, mm. Got it. Okay. But, but I'll, dry flowers will look brown and like, you know, black and throw them out. I'll because put it in it a bag and like, hide it. <laughs> yeah. Because that is, that is yin energy. Mm, mm-hmm. It's too yin because mm-hmm. it's dead. Mm-hmm. And that will bring yin energy to you. Then mm-hmm. your yin and yang is out of balance. Got it. Okay. Because if a household has too much yin energy, then that's when you see sickness, career not mm-hmm. going well, like, you know, poor health, like this and that, depression. Um, you know, it was funny that there's one episode uh, with Christy. Not sure if you saw that. She was the middle-aged housewife mom who was trying to, she, she was like an older mom and she she was trying to find her mm-hmm. own life back. Yeah. She was the one born in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she was telling me how, oh, you know, her, her daughter, Sydney, was burying their pet goldfish in the garden and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, you know, you don't want to do that because that makes your home a grave. Um, mm-hmm. And then the next day of class, she was asking me, she's like, hey, Sarah. And I'm like, yeah. And we were saying this during lunch. It was like during break. And then 
She's like, you know, I was thinking about what you said about the fish. Then does that mean it's also not good to have like somebody's, to have my, to have like some, my dad's ashes in the house? And I was like, I was like, can we get cameras on this? (laughs) And then I was like, oh my God, that, that is the biggest no-no that a lot of Western people do. They're like, Mm. oh, my parent died. I love them so much. I can't bear them to leave me. So I'm going to keep their ashes in an urn and have it in my bedroom or have it in my living room. That is the biggest no-no. It's bad for both of you because Mm. yin energy should be kept in a yin energy, energy place, which is a graveyard. It should not be kept in a yang energy place, which is with living people in a home. Mm-hmm. Dang. This is very interesting. I was like, whoa. Because uh, this also made me think about, you know, there's a certain, uh, what is that um, thing that people who are hunters, they like, they stuff the animals they kill and they put it around their house. Oh, taxidermy. Taxidermists. And- That's like a big no-no as well, huh? Yeah. I feel like a I'm- lot of Palm Springs homes have that look. Yeah. <laughs> and that yeah. vibe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's a no-no. <laughs> Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than a leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With free and gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. I really want to talk about the bedroom because I spent the most time. I think my bedroom is the room I spend the most time in. I was watching uh, your video and just reading on tips. And I feel like my bedroom actually goes against a lot of some of your best practices. So do you mind sharing like how do you like what are some feng shui tips for a bedroom? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, the biggest no-no for a bedroom that's also the most like commonly seen mistake is a mirror facing the bed. And this is in my Mind Your Manners William episode uh, where I go in and I'm like, oh, I, I think they maybe they didn't like leave it in the edit, but that was like, I was like, oh my gosh, you have a mirror facing the bed. This is this is not good. That is one of the few ones that I know my mom says to yeah. me all the time too. She's <laughs> That's just like, like even if it's facing your feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, not, not as bad because it means, especially if you're in a relationship, it means a third party will be interfering in your relationship. Oh. Isn't that scaring the bejesus out of you guys? Where you guys are going to be like, um, and, and you know, what's funny as well is like, it, you also just, do, even if it's you sleeping alone in there, it doesn't feel good. So my second to last trip in New York city, I stayed at the Baccarat hotel in New York. And once I got in a whole wall was mirror. And I was like, Oh my God. And I actually had them bring a bed sheet, like a plain mm. bed sheet. And the, the, the bed was kind of like four poster stars and there were like, you know, there were four kind of pillars from each corner of the mm-hmm. bed. So I literally hung a bed sheet to like, you know, to just, just so that I wouldn't be like looking at the mirror when I was sleeping. 
um, to block off the mirror. It really disturbed me. Hmm. It's actually really freaky too. Just to, I don't know. I, I do find that yeah. visual visual to be a little like uh, a little scary. Mm-hmm. What if you were to just sleep the other way, and if you're in a hotel room, <laughs> you know, with your feet hanging pretty much off not off the side. I'm sure the bed might be big enough, but sleeping you know, the other way. Well, you know, when I was shooting Mind Your Manners in Sydney, uh, I stayed at a lovely surface department, except that my bed, so so it was it was a wardrobe, you know, it's mm-hmm. a wardrobe where one side was like solid, solid, and the other side was mirror. And so I, you know, I arranged it so that like there was least amount of mirror facing me because it was like when I was lying down, I could see it. And then I basically slept on one sliver. I slept on like 50 cm of, 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 the, of the bed because I like didn't want to be facing the mirror. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got it. So just make sure the mirror is not facing your feet towards your face if you're to sit up. Well, mm-hmm. I, the mirror ideally shouldn't be facing, shouldn't be reflecting on any part of the bed. Mm-hmm. Oh, Got it. <laughs> could you put a sheet, if it was like a small dresser mirror, could you put a sheet over the mirror? Yeah. And that would help solve the the flow or the issue, but that yeah. would that's like a temporary solution though to a permanent placement yeah, yeah, yeah. of where your mirror is. Just move the mirror, right? <laughs> move your dressing table. Yeah, but it, but in in situations like hotels or you know play, if it's like a temporary space. Yeah, mm-hmm. got it. And Sarah, I think you also mentioned something about like not having your bed face certain doors. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, when you lie down on your bed, you do not want to have your feet pointing in the direction of the door because in ancient China, when people died, they would lie the corpse in the house facing the door ready to carry them out. Mm. And it also does feel a little <laughs> weird, right? Like when you're lying there and, you, and the door's open. So, I mean, if you can't help it, just always try to keep the door closed. And also you don't want any door opening out onto the bed. A common problem is the bathroom door. Oftentimes like the master bedroom bathroom door, if it's an mm-hmm. ensuite, will open up onto the bed. So just always try to keep that door closed. Good to know. Good. I literally, when I when I saw that part, I was like, my my current room that you could probably see is there's doors literally on every wall. I'm like, well, I can't do anything about this. <laughs> I don't know who made it, but um, so just I think white, now white noting, made it. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So non noting masters. Yes. Yes, I think noting just to close it does does put my mind at ease. I have another question about like the bedroom. I feel like it's um I don't know if this is a feng shui element or not, but I think um. We have the tendency to like, if people like to have televisions in their bedroom and we like to face the bed towards the television, does that go against any feng shui type of rule at all? Or is that totally fine? Ideally, you do not want electronics in your bedroom. So you don't want to have a TV because it just like TV and electronics bring a different kind of energy into the room. It's a Mm. bit too yang, whereas the bedroom should be more yin so that you can rest. Mm. Okay. But I mean, I wouldn't say it's like the worst thing you can do in your bedroom. I have a TV in my bedroom facing my bed. (laughs) (laughs) Noted. Okay, cool. Thank you for my bedroom tips. Um, But you know, also for the bedroom, you don't want it to be too bright. Whenever I see a friend's like Mm. bedroom and they're decorating it and putting a piece of really strong artwork, uh, like a bright red or like some fluorescent color, some like light installation that's fluorescent. Mm Mm-mm. No, your your bedroom, if anything, should be like more yin. It should be either calm colors mm. or darker colors mm. because ah. that helps you rest. 
Nice. Actually, is there is there a certain color palette that is most ideal for the home? Because I know a lot of people, like myself, like the neutrals, and basically mm-hmm. everything is a neutral except for a pop of color here and there. Is there a, a standard for that? Yeah, I mean, neutrals nice, um, but the thing is, you don't want it to be too white, you know, or too much of one color, because if it's uh, and actually in the Iliana episode, I went and I said this is too. It's all one color. It's all white. A white palette. And, um, and it's also not, it's too bright and that's too metal because white Mm. is metal and it's too, it's too metallic, right? You, Mm. you want it to feel comfortable and natural. So it's okay if you have pops of color, if it's neutral and you have pops of color, that's good. Ah, okay. It's interesting. So we've talked about the living room, which is generally a more yang space, like you said, and then now the bedroom is more yin. Um, a third space that I think a lot of our listeners um, will have in their home and are probably spending a lot of time now in because of the work from home practice is their workspace or the study room. So Sarah, we're wondering what tips you might have for uh, creating a very good and um, uh, peaceful and uh, I guess like workable uh, workspace or study room. The biggest thing for your workspace or study or your office is to have a commanding position. In Chinese, we call this kao shan. Kao means to support against. Shan means mountain. So the way I'm sitting right now, I'm the only person on this podcast, from what I can see of all your videos, that has a commanding position. Because my back is protected. Mm. I have a mountain behind me. Uh. The worst thing you can have is to be sitting like Melody with like two doors behind your back. (laughs) If somebody comes, <laughs> if somebody opens a door, you're not in any commanding position. You're like, somebody can like open a door and like throw, you know, shoot an arrow at you straight away, <laughs> according to ancient China times. And you don't even know who's <laughs> behind you, right? That's yeah, why true. it's, it's much better to have your workspace set up so that your desk, um, so when you're sitting at your desk, the wall is behind you and you're looking out and you can see the door mm. to your office space. And same thing with dining, by the way. Um, and, and let's say if you're in a meeting room, then the host should always be able to see the door, should always have that commanding position, kao shan. Mm. This is most important. And then, whereas when I said in the living room, you, my, my living room table has rounded corners, soft corners, in any kind of workspace or negotiations or office, you want your table to have sharp corners, it needs to be like a rectangular or a square, whatever rectangular is best, sharp corner, and that means business. Mm-hmm. It's much better to have a wood rather than glass table because it's more solid. Glass mm-hmm. is like doesn't feel as solid um, because remember, this is your workspace. This is how you make money. You want it to be mm-hmm. solid, right? And then uh, ideally, if you're in an office space, ideally your work desk hides your legs, so it's not like people can see, you know, everything under the table when they're sitting when they're sitting across from you, right? This is again part of your commanding position. Um, and then ideally, you have a chair with uh, arms arms beside you for your, for your workspace. Oh, is that to create more support? Um, it, it's because it's like a throne, you know. Um. Back, yeah. So it's like how the emperor sat. Like it's a throne. It's a position of authority. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. And what about, are there any best practices with electronics? Nowadays, a lot of people have like laptops or, you know, phones, how all of that plays a role in your workspace. Um, well, I actually, I'm actually one of those people. I have like two phones and like a <laughs> bunch of earphones and like Bluetooth AirPods. Um, I mean, as much as you can, just try to keep it organized, right? This is, this mm. goes back to no clutter because if you want to be able to work and I, I'm a huge fan of Marie Kondo, 
if you want to have work, if you want to have like peace of mind to work, your workspace needs to reflect that. So mm. I always keep a tidy desk um, and then like, you know, keep stuff in drawers, just no clutter. I feel like I need to hit up the container store tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> I we love the container store. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. There's so many things I'm noting now. And yeah, there's a lot, a lot of work to do in this house. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're going to ask you about the last location, the kitchen. Are there any, anything that we should be aware of for our kitchen space? Yeah. Uh, for the kitchen... Westerners really like open kitchens. Chinese mm-hmm. people do not like open kitchens. Part of it, the reason is practical because Chinese cooking is oily, greasy, messy. Um, Western cooking is very clean. You just put everything into an oven and then you're kind of done. Uh, but also the kitchen represents your prosperity. It's most important to have your chi contained in the kitchen. So if you have an open kitchen, especially for a woman, open kitchens are bad mostly for the woman of the house because then your chi dissipates because, you know, in ancient China, the woman is kind of the kitchen, you know, the women are kind of together. Um, whereas if you have a contained kitchen, right, all that wok energy, you're frying, you're, you know, cooking, the heat, the, 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 the yang energy is like maintained there, which is good. So open kitchens are not really that great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and then the second thing is keep your knives and anything sharp stored out of sight. Mm-hmm. And never point knives or scissors, like even when you lay them down. Don't point it towards yourself or towards your, you know, your bedroom. So even for me, I always have a pair of scissors because I have a lot of deliveries and I have a pair of scissors out. And, uh, and I never point in the direction of, I always point away like towards, towards a window. I don't point it back into the house. I'm very mm. aware of that because you don't want to point knives at yourself. Hmm. I guess I have a follow-up question there. I, I feel like a lot of these concepts around feng shui are rooted in ancient Chinese beliefs. And even you mentioning, you know, in the kitchen, usually that's where the woman is. And how does that, because I feel like you're such a boss woman with, you know, your own, I mean, you have a show on Netflix, like, come on. How do you balance the two then? You know, the ancient Chinese beliefs of there's a woman at home, always staying at home, making sure the, the husband is happy, the kids are happy and all of that. And then you know, you're out there building this incredible empire. No, you know, it's funny. I guess that's kind of the, my, a bit of my paradox. I mean, I am very modern. I am very, you know, kind of like a girl boss. Uh, but, but when it comes to, when it comes to Taoism, when it comes to sort of ancient Chinese beliefs and feng shui, I probably also because I just grew up with it. Mm-hmm. So I never really used to question it, but I am very curious. So I always try to understand the history behind mm-hmm. each rule. And same thing when I teach etiquette, whenever I'm telling my students, like why we, why, why Westerners use nap, have a tradition of using napkins, whereas Chinese don't, it's because of the history, because in China, we were using chopsticks for 2000 years, bringing the bowl to our mouth. We eat very mm-hmm. clean. Whereas for Westerners, for most part, up for, uh, until only about 300 years ago, they were all eating with their hands, pulling at meat with their hands, and you never bring the plate to your mouth, right? So there's like 20 cm of sauce to drip and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, they have this tradition of habit of using napkins. So I've, I've always been fascinated with history mm. and understanding why things are a certain way. Uh, and with, with Taoism and feng shui, it really, it's like astrology. I mean, some mm-hmm. people think, oh, it's all made up and it, you know, it has no backing, but actually it's very technical, and same with energy. And in, in Chinese, the the Yi Jing, the Yi Ching, which is the book of the book of I Ching, um, which is one of the oldest texts in, in Chinese culture, uh, it's very scientific. 
mm-hmm. but it's just a science that you know not not everybody like studies. Um, so to me, I don't feel that oh because you know the kitchen represents the woman and it protects the woman that oh I'm not gonna because I'm an independent woman I'm not gonna believe in this you know not at all mm-hmm. I don't think it contradicts for me I, mm-hmm. if anything I just use use what I can adapt what I can to help myself mm. I like that. And I feel like your tips have been really helpful for us. And I think we're all, like Helen mentioned, we're like noting everything along the way as we kind of like think about each room in our house. We do have some general questions that I think our listeners would be really interested in learning more about. Um, so someone asked, you know, I live in a studio with one room to house my bed, living room, and workstation. What are tips to help me create the best flow for such a small space with multiple uses? Well, you know, I, when I graduated from Georgetown in 2007, my first job was in New York City working on, as an analyst in, on Wall Street. And I lived in a studio. I lived on 26 in Lexington um, on the border of Gramercy and Curry Hill. And, uh, and it was a spacious one-bedroom. Um, so it was a spacious studio. So I lived in a studio. It was a spacious studio. But then I had to create divisions, right? Because... Mm-hmm. I didn't want somebody to be able to see like friends to like sit on my living room sofa and see my bed. So what I did was I built a bookshelf. I bought a bookshelf that was, you know, pretty high. It was like 1.5 meters high and it was the whole length of my bed. And so it didn't totally block out light and space, but you know, with after putting books in there and objects, you couldn't really see my bed. Mm. So even if it's one space, try to divide it, whether using carpets Carpets are actually a great way to divide, uh, whether it's using a sofa, right? Some sofas to kind of, you know, you put you put a sofa so that it almost divides the room in half. There's still things you can do. Hmm. That's really helpful. Hmm. Are there best practices for maybe like directionally? Um, so if say you have like this open space and you can dictate where the bedroom is and where your workstation is, is there a more ideal place to put one than the other in terms of like north, south, east, west, or that kind of positioning? Well, that gets really personal because it depends on your own bazi. Remember, um. feng shui is different. And so sometimes that can also be a challenge if there are like multiple people in the family, right? Mm. If it's like parents with two kids, so it's like right. four different bazis you have to kind of compromise on. Wow. Um, luckily, most people have their own bedroom, right? So the kids have their own bedrooms. You just organize their bedrooms according to their bazi. But then when it's, let's say it's a couple and they have like conflicting bazi charts for this year, conflicting directions, then that's also the skill of the of the feng shui master to balance everything got it so the next question i actually for myself um i'm gonna be <laughs> I'm going to be moving into a new space very soon. Um, and I wonder if, you know, maybe a lot of listeners as we're in the month of January and leases are ending or renewing, they might also be moving into new homes or spaces. What does feng shui say about how to clear out old energy and make uh, a space your own if there have been previous occupants? Yeah, you know, it's, it's really funny because I remember when I was at Exeter and my, you know, I most people at Exeter are boarding students and I lived in my dorm, Dunbar. And when I moved into my new room and I had a single, my dad was like, okay, here's this piece of like red triangular paper that's been blessed by the temple and, uh, and like Kai Guo Guang, it's like, you know, had light open it and like blah, blah, blah. Um, and that you need to burn this like 
in your room, uh, or you say this particular prayer, and then and, and he's like, and it's good luck for you, and it cleans out, you know, the energy of the room. And I was like, oh, so remember, I'm like 14 years old, right? <laughs> <laughs> like everybody else is really preppy and white. I'm like, there's no way I can let my extra classmates see me doing this like weird Chinese stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I had like a tin can, and then <laughs> you know, and then I. And then I was like, Dad, like, I don't think I can burn things because there's like a fire, like, mm-hmm. you know, alarm. Thing it does. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, fire alarm. Like, I, I don't want to set that off. My dad's like, then go burn it behind the building. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. So then I go down, I go, like, walk to the back of the building where, like, no one can see me. And, uh, and I just, like, have this tiny piece of paper and I just, like, burn it and, like, say, like, you know, oh, thank you. Like, you know, thank mm-hmm. you for the past year. Like, blah, 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 blah. I would say the first step is when you leave your old apartment, I always say a prayer of thanks. And spend time saying goodbye to it. So, because usually, you know, when you move, you pack up and all the movers are there and everybody's like sweaty and it's like, oh, and it's like a dusty and you're exhausted. Well, when everybody's left, spend a quiet moment with your apartment or your home and just thank them. Say, I, I just say thank you for protecting me. Thank you for being my home for the last, you know, X number of years, uh, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, it's just take a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just show gratitude. And then when I, you know, show up at my new place, uh, then it, it really depends on different customs. So for example, in Shanghai, people like to put coins under the bed. That's a mm-hmm. feng shui tradition. And then you're supposed to like sleep overnight with, you know, a certain number of coins under the bed, um, or, you know, b- burn like a lucky charm. So, so it really is up to you. I think as long as it's from the heart, mm-hmm. then it's Okay. Mm-hmm. And whenever you say a prayer, you know, from the heart, I, you always have to introduce yourself. Like, I'm always mm-hmm. like, I'm Sarah Jane Ho. I'm born on this day. Uh, this is, you know, this is my old address. My old address is blah, blah, blah. Now I'm moving to this new address. And I pray that, like, you know, you take care of me in this new home and take care mm-hmm. of, you know, like the people coming with me, blah, blah, blah. Oh, the, here's a fun thing. Whenever I stay at a hotel, before I go into the hotel room, I knock, uh, I knock three times and I say, um, uh, like, I'm Sarah Jane Ho. I'm just going to be sleeping here for two nights. Mm. And because actually hotels are very yin and there's a lot of different energies in hotels. You probably hear a lot about like hotels in Taipei being haunted and like, you know, the Grand Hyatt was haunted and blah, 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 blah. But there's just a lot of different energies and spirits. Mm. And I believe in energies and spirits, but I also believe in being respectful to spirits. And so I always like knock on the hotel door and I say, I'm Sarah Jane Ho. I'm just staying here for two nights. Uh, don't mean to barge into your space. Like I'm respecting you. <laughs> mm. I like that. I like the the idea of focusing on like thinking a space and also respecting that if there are other spirits. So I'll definitely keep that in mind. Thank you. <laughs> the next question we have is: What is the feng shui philosophy for helping the elderly declutter their homes, especially Asian parents who have a hard time letting go of things? i.e. hoarding, even if they don't use them? Mm-hmm. This is such a great question. And I always tell my grandma, uh, and my grandma, like she has a three bedroom she and she, and she has a storage unit uh, in addition to that. And she, you know, ke- keeps things past their expiry date, doesn't want to throw them away. Clutter is considered negative in feng shui, right? Because it blocks the natural flow of energy throughout a room, especially when things don't move for a long time, when a lot of things, they don't move and they gather dust. Um, it, so, you know, that, that's old stuff that makes a house feel crowded. It could also be awkward furniture placement. It mm-hmm. could be a chair or a sofa that's placed somewhere so that the chi doesn't, just, the flow just doesn't feel right. Or 
maybe you're trying to get to a space and you're, you always knock into something, right? That the thing you're knocking into is also clutter um, that's negative. Huh. So I would say with old people, sometimes, you know, old people don't change. Mm-hmm. So um, what I usually do is if things are past their expiry date or if there are things that they don't know that they're missing, then I just say, oh, I mean, sometimes I just take care of things themselves. Like I'll just like throw them away because they've been expired by two years and I don't say anything and my grandma won't even notice Mm. or go to the container store and, you know, and just contain stuff, just put it in a cupboard, put it away. So it's still, you know, it's still past expiry date. It's still something they don't want to throw away, but at least you don't see it because it's in Mm. a cupboard. I feel like that is very true for my grandma too. It's like if I show up with something, she'll use it because she won't not use it. So it's always better to just buy something for her. And if I were to ask her, she would be like, no, 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 I don't need that. Everything is fine. You know, so I do like that approach. It's like take matters into your own hands and help them out. They're way too comfortable. I think everything you said about the clutter and like the flow of the house, my mom is that, that way. And it, it, it bugs the crap out of me because she literally keeps everything. And I'm just like, Ugh, I can't stand it. And so I'm always trying to find ways to like sneakily like throw things away because my house is also the point where I can't store anything in the closets because she's already used all the storage with all the old clothes. I'm just like, how do I maneuver this a bit? So um, I'm still trying to figure out different ways to like go back and donate more things or kind of like create more space for her. So maybe I just got to hit the container store a little bit more when I, when I head back home. <laughs> this kind of relates to interior design. I feel like, you know, a lot of people nowadays love decorating their homes. I feel like interior design is so big, and but there are so many different styles out there are there certain styles that clash or what you'd recommend not to use like you know um like for example like don't use modern minimalism uh uh interior design or don't use like i don't know like you i guess i don't know that many designs but i guess which ones would you recommend not to use well um so here's the thing it's not so much that you can't use a particular design but within that it's more like within that design don't go to go too overboard on any one thing mm. Right, so, okay, I mean, I think minimalism is nice, but if it's so minimal that it's too bare and you feel that you don't have anything protecting you, supporting you, right, be- being around you, then that's not good feng shui. Mm-hmm. It, it has to feel good. Of course, you know, some people feel feel good and really minimal. Um, that That's just what they prefer. Uh, and some people like having a lot of stuff. That's what they prefer. But at the end of the day, it's less about the style and more about the balance. Mm, Okay. Thank you. All right. So the last question we have here, and we would just love to briefly talk about Mind Your Manners, your show on Netflix. That is just such an incredible accomplishment. Congrats on that. It's, it's still airing. It's still out there. There are episodes out there. Make sure to go out and watch it. We would love to just know, you know, how did you land the show with Netflix? Did you pitch the show to them or did they approach you because of your background, having opened an etiquette school in Beijing um, and also being the author of the best-selling etiquette book, Good Manners for the Debutante in Chinese? How did this show come about? Yeah, uh, good good question, Helen. So in 2018, a production house based in Singapore cold emailed me. They found my website. Somebody emailed me and said, oh, we're a production house. Well, we're looking to pitch some ideas to some platforms. We think you have an interesting story. Do you have time for a call? Sure. You know, I had a call with them. Didn't really understand, you know, what was going on, but thought, oh, interesting. Let's see what they can do. And they never mentioned Netflix. They said, you know, we're just doing, we're doing work with platforms. Want to see what we can do. Um, 
And then apparently uh, Netflix had invited this company to pitch ideas. Mm. So the, comp- the production company is called Beach House Productions. And, and, and one of the bosses of the company was with his team saying, guys, give me ideas. And someone on his team, a, a young girl, bright girl in her 20s said, you know, I recently read this news about this girl it's called Sarah Jane Ho teaching etiquette in Beijing. And he was like, well, let's pitch the idea. Let's put together a sizzle reel, blah, blah, blah. And it was either 2018 or 2019 Chinese New Year. And I, they asked me to put together a sizzle reel. So I did. It was like a two-minute clip. And then they pitched it. And then Netflix greenlit it and bought it. Wow. And we were wow. supposed to shoot January of 2020 in Shanghai. But then COVID hit. Mm. And China closed borders. And they said, this is a problem. We can't get anybody into China. Mm. And then COVID hit the rest of the world. And they said, okay, we're just going to pause and wait to see what happens with the world. And then in 2021, they uh, called me up and said, all right, we're moving, pressing forward. It's going to be in Australia. And I was like, Australia? Um, I was like, but, you know, Australia is the only country that doesn't even let its own citizens back. So are you guys sure you can get my visa? And they managed to do it. And I'm, I'm actually really grateful that the show, you know, it was delayed, but I'm, I, I think that it actually, it made for a better show. So mm-hmm. shooting with a team in Australia was incredible. The crew was incredible. I couldn't have shot a better show with, 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 with you know, a different crew. Um, the casting was amazing. We cast for Americans living in Australia and Chinese ladies living in Australia. And one of the Chinese ladies is actually my real student, Jessie. She's the young mm-hmm. one. She took my course in Beijing along with her mother and her younger sister uh, about five, six years ago. And she just happened to be living in Sydney. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now I think now the time is right more than ever for etiquette because people emerging from a pandemic where we didn't really interact with other people for mm-hmm. quite a few years. And we're all a little bit anxious. And it's also there's some epic rudeness going on in the world, whether it's workplace <laughs> bullying or on Twitter, even our politicians and statesmen are not acting very statesmanlike. So um, I think everything happened for a reason. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad and grateful that Netflix gave me this opportunity uh, and it came out now and that I was also able to bring out Chinese culture in the show in a very organic and you know me kind of way. So two kind of like little surprises that I've been getting is I spend about an hour every day on Instagram replying to every single direct message in the morning and at night. And a lot of Westerners around the world have been messaging me saying, I loved your show. It really opened my eyes to Chinese culture. Can you please recommend a traditional Chinese doctor in Colorado? Or can you please recommend a feng shui master in Mexico City? I really need one. You know? (laughs) And, uh, and so that's just, and, and then a lot of Asians around the world, especially American born Chinese have been messaging me saying, thank you so much for representing our Chinese culture that, but that's in a cool and elegant way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me has been really, really meaningful being able to bridge East and West. And I'm so grateful that Netflix gave me the opportunity and platform to do that. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sarah. Is there a place that our listeners can follow you um, online or follow the show? Yeah, well, you know, check out Mind Your Matters on Netflix and then follow me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Sarah Jane Ho. Sarah's no H, so S A R A J E N E H O. And I have a YouTube channel called The Sarah Jane Ho Show. 
Wonderful. Well, we'll definitely be checking all of those things out. Thanks again, Sarah, so much for being on Asian Boss Girl. And to our listeners, we hope that you found these tips interesting and helpful as you think about arranging um, and cleaning up your homes for the optimal flow and abundance in the new year. If you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and share this episode with your friends. You can also support us through monthly donations at anchor.fm slash asianbossgirl slash support or get some merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com. If you resonated with today's episode, let us know in the comments of our IG post. And if you'd like to put faces to our names, you can find us on YouTube where we share vlogs, an audience Q&A segment called Dear ABG, and much more. Our handle on both platforms is at asianbossgirl. In addition to our main show that releases every Thursday, we now each host mini shows that release on Tuesdays. Tune into K-Dreaming with Mel, Living Well with Janet, and Spill the Baby Tea with Helen. Each week, we release a new episode of one of the shows right here on the Asian Boss Girl feed. So be sure to tune in to us on Tuesdays and Thursdays. If you'd like to send a shout out to a friend, check out our link tree in our link in bio on our Instagram and click on shout outs. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all her magic on our episodes, including this one. Cheers the new year. And until next time, we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.